Hello everybody, welcome back to the technical area, the football manager podcast, it's brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Graymo once again, apologies again for the long delay, it's nearly a monthly podcast now at the rate I'm bringing these out, but I do apologise, it's been, a, yeah, that's it's, just been, it's been a mad month, God's sake again, a little bit more serious this time, but thankfully through that. There was time off and birthday celebrations and uh, being whisked away for a weekend away in Liverpool and a weekend away again. So it's, it's just been a mental month. The amount of game time I've put in on Football Manager I think is even less than any month since I started content producing back in 2017 I think it was, wasn't it? At the end of 2017. So I do apologise for that long delay and I hope you are keeping well. It's been that long that you may have also forgotten that we are on episode 10 and the episode, every 10th episode as per tradition on this podcast is dedicated to a manager. We get to take a real life football manager, we put them in focus and after a vote that was put out to the community, Jorge Sampaoli, the current manager of Marseille, the Argentine, he was the one the community wanted most for me to get my teeth stuck into. So hopefully now I'll be able to share some of the Learnings I've come across with Sam Pauli, obviously, and the great job he's doing with Marseille this season, especially or the weekend's training out defeat to Leon aside. And we can see maybe how Sam Pauli, you know, again, can be a great example for us to follow tactically on the pitch and even his tactical evolution over time as he has approached new projects in the course of his managerial career. So, of course, with Jorge Sampaoli, we're getting an Argentine manager who brings a lot of intensity and dynamism, both to his managerial approach and to the playing style that he likes to see on the pitch. Although he rejects the notion, many do see him as a disciple of the Marcello Bielsa school, whether it's to do with his principles and how he plays or you know the similarities with the Argentine culture that would have the influence on him. Sampaoli is a manager who... You know, is very well regarded even by Bielsa himself. Some he describes this game in a way that he says you need to adapt the tactics according to the players and the opponent. But I will not compromise my ideas and style when trying to play a superior game. So what we're getting with Sampaoli is an attack-minded coach, a coach who knows we want to play, who won't compromise the way he's playing, will adapt, will tweak, will but will not change. So this attack-minded coach who defends high up the pitch has brought much success. It's something we see many clubs, many teams play across the world with this style of football. And it's no one to see Sampaoli having success considering how he himself has you know, interpreted and put his own stamp on this attack, attack and defend high approach that many managers across the world are taking. Now, just before I do continue into talking about Sampaoli's philosophy and his evolution, the links to all of the websites I've got my information from, which will be used throughout the, the course of this podcast, uh, they'll all be found down below. Really, what I've kind of done is just kind of try to group everything together instead of going article by article. So try and keep everything on point, on principle. And then at the end, if you want to go and read more, check more of this stuff out, all of the links found down below where I got 99% of the information that you are going to come across and the 1% is from, I suppose, my own self, 
what I've seen at Sampoli over uh, the last couple of years. So what we've seen most importantly with Sampoli, and the one thing I think we all need to be aware of is um, as football manager players, I think from year on year, even within the game itself, within one year's game, season on season, within a game, I think the big thing we all need to look at is um, evolving our approach over time. And that's something Sampoli has really mastered. When he began his rise to real prominence and began attracting a lot of notice, what we saw in Sampoli was a 4-3-3 shape. When he took over at Chile, that approach changed with 3-5-2 because of the obvious benefits of playing with increased numbers in midfield. When he became Argentina manager, it was a 4-2-3-1 where the three behind the, the forward were narrow to prioritise attacks through the middle. And that now has evolved into a 3-4-1-2, 3-4-2-1 and even a 3-3-1-3 at Marseille. So really what we've seen as a coach is really kind of push through from four at the back to three at the back, playing with a, a deep pivot as a six, a high pivot as a ten, reverting back to, you know, three. And even now we're seeing like that, the three, three, one, three, a balance of players right up the way up the pitch. The experimentation that Sampoli began his career at Letico Minero with and Santos in 4 3 threes. And then the 4 2 3 1 or 3 4 3 and even a 3 5 2 at times. What these all were primed at was targeting overloads in midfield. So the principle of targeting an overload in midfield has remained constant throughout the time of Sampoli. It's just how the formation itself has changed and evolved. Over that period of time. Because the 3-3-1-3. Or the 3-3-3-1 shape. That he plays with now. Is asymmetric. And if you if you read. The Jonathan Wilson book. Um, Inverting the Pyramid. Or even the, the, the newer book out. The, uh, the names heard long ago. It talks about how. The rise and the success. And the manner of which. The Hungarian team of the 1950s. Like rose prominence and built that successful air on and played. And that asymmetric 3-3-1-3, shape that we see being played by Marseille at the minute, that is very similar. There is a stark resemblance, sorry, striking resemblance to this hungry team of the 50s. Because the back three are technical ball players. Midfield's a fluid diamond of creativity. And then the wing backs just maraud down the flanks. And now at Marseille, with this way of playing assembling Europe's youngest squad Europe in the top five leagues of Europe he's assembled the youngest squad only three players are older than 27 it's a really a masterstroke of success what he's doing especially in a league where success is not easy once you remove PSG from it there are two Champions League places and a lot of very very good teams you've got like Lyon Marseille Monaco as your typical Champions League sides we've seen Rennes emerge into that space we see Strasbourg even pushing again this year. So we've seen like a really real intense competition there. And for Sampaoli to experience success he is with these players, it's fantastic. They're a team principle that builds from the back. That the defensive line will pull the opposition forward with short passes. And while, like we said, these technical ball players, they are very capable of also driving forward with the ball as well. And that again adds another body to midfield, creating that numerical superiority in midfield 
at San Paoli himself favours. The midfield try and occupy the spaces between the lines, allowing then the, the width of the pitch to be fully occupied as well, so that the team can break through the lines of pressure so easily. They really looked at stretching the play and being fluid in the movement vertically, horizontally, and to an extent as well diagonally. Key build-up play always revolves through one player, and that is the pivot. Because this player is the player who breaks the lines, who plays in between them. The build-up play vertically goes through him. And then, not only then, do we see the play building up through him as play progresses up the pitch. This superiority in the half spaces, in, in the wide areas, and the overload in the central, kind of just culminates really with a side that's driven to just crowd the box when they push forward. In possession, this Marseille side, in, in possession, as some powers, they tend to be aggressive. Possession-based. And they play with incisive verticality. We've spoken about the shapes that Sampaoli has played with. But now as we see him play with this like tr- back three. And then with a pivot in front. And then wing backs and other central players further forward. What the team builds, like I said, from those three central defenders. One will be deeper than the other. A pivot will be in front. In front of the pivot is the two centre midfielders who will be flanked by the wing backs. Often then we see an attacking midfielder playing as a kind of almost a pivot in front of the central midfielders and then the lone striker up front. The lone striker can take on the realm of Arcadius Milik and you know a bit more of a robust forward and typical forward. But the midfield you could also see someone like Dimitri Pai as a false line acting up there. That gives his team then this kind of unpredictability. That gives this team a sense of fluidity as well. That the build-up play can be, you know, transformed with different players popping up in different areas of the pitch. But with this three-one base, with a centre back deeper than the other, a centre midfielder deeper than than the other, and then wingers and strikers, it's it's all built on a diamond. The the parting fullbacks and wingbacks who've pushed high up the pitch. In the half spaces, we'll see sentiment fields kind of occupying in, in a covering sense in some ways. The wide forwards, the left winger, the right winger, the wing backs, they are aggressively high up the pitch. And then as a result, we're passing options inside and outside them on the wing. We have a team that plays predominantly lateral passes. It's patient build up play from the back. Like that, by getting players in the right spaces, in the half spaces, making driving runs, this team can be incisive and really get at you very quickly and very easily. The only place that numerical superiority is not really seen by a Sampoli team is at the opposition's last line. Because what he wants to do is build up an overload from the back and then have that overload kind of push forward up the pitch almost like a wave progress through the team with the ball up the pitch because then the pivot moves forward the central the central defender will step up as a defensive midfielder and by that deep central defender pushing up every player in front could push up it could also be one of the wider central defenders that pushes up into the central midfield 
So then what we see then is the rest of the team push up in front of them. When the defensive midfielder or the pivot is pressed, we may see an attacking midfielder then drop deeper to form a double pivot. Which is an evolution of the movement of centre midfielders, allowing them to push wide into the spaces where the wing backs would traditionally be. It's I know it sounds very complex, I know it sounds very fluid. It's it but it's so fluid, it's so hard to just focus on and, and really kind of write down and try and help you imagine. But idea what it is, it's a case of its players dropping to support one another. Centre midfielders moving wide. Wing-backs pushing still high and being aggressive. Think of the way, say, Jordan Henderson might cover for Liverpool in front of Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right side of midfield. Centre midfielder kind of... It's almost like a defensive Mazala to an extent. With then this attacking shape, like we said, the 3-3-3-1 or the 3-3-1-3, in the final area of the pitch, two of them will sit high and they'll sit wide. Occasionally one or both may drop off to create space midfielders. But these two forward players are perhaps the most stationary players on this whole team. They're the focal point because the attack is a little bit more organised than it has been under Sampoli at Marseille. Because the thing is, if Shen is on there, Dieng or Conrad are playing on opposite wings. What happens is then we get these wing backs driving inwards. And like Shen is under considering him as a wing as a wing back, I suppose isn't exactly fair. But what what it is is he is the wide threat in this team who's responsible for marauding up and down that flank. Where the centre midfielders may cover. So if they're driving inwards. To almost move like a triangle if out of possession that they may drop straight inside of the centre midfielders. If Pyatt is a striker, a false nine is how we often how he's used, he drops off, another centre midfielder then will drop deeper for space. So all of a sudden Marseille will go from like that three with the pivot in front to three with a double pivot in front. So the team's build up play is totally different when Pyatt plays. Because if he starts up front, his movements with Garcon, the attacking midfielder, they can create a four-man front line as well with those marauding wing-backs either side. Because neither of these are a striker and neither of them are a traditional forward in how they play. Because, and then even where many teams may line up in a back four, because we've talked about before, the predominant of 4-3-3 system still being in football. When Marseille are attacking these four back fours, They'll try and exploit the remaining space in the final third, which is they'll find on the wing, by prioritising numerical superiority at the beginning of the attack, again looking to carefully build in a slower, but not slow, tempo. Like I said, it moves forward as a wave. It ripples through the team the way this overall just slowly and gradually builds forward, with the tempo and pace potentially even upping itself in the final third. How managers see themselves now out of possession is becoming nearly as important as how they see them in possession. And Sampaoli, again, is no different to the attention to detail he plays here. They're a high-pressing team. The movement of midfielders creates a high press when they find spaces and passing names for the team to bypass the first line of the press. The goalkeeper can become involved in, the similar, in a way 
that the defensive midfielder acts with centre midfielders. So we're coming as a, like literally, the deepest pivot you could possibly have on the pitch. In a, if they're facing, say, a mid-block or in a mid-block, what we see from a Sampaoli team is a team that looks increase the spaces between the lines. At Chile, this was Gary Medell, Marcelo Diaz and Francesco Silva at the heart of a 3-4-3. And with three players like this, you have players who allow your midfield to stretch the play. And when faced with reduced pressure from the opposition, what happens is Sampaoli's teams will look to increase the tempo, to draw opponents out to one side of the pitch in particular, and then big switch to far side where you've got one player in space and they are the key to your attack. When facing a low block, what do we see from Sampaoli's teams? Well, what we see is a team that knows the initiative needs to be taken. What we see is a team that's emphasis is on generating overloads. As we said before, central defenders, they would step out into midfield. And by them stepping up, it creates space for the creative players in front of them. And try to give players like the deep line playmaker time to play. They'll focus on providing short passing options. Because the thing is, space does not exist behind the team that's set up in the low block. Attacking midfielders will link up with wide players and diagonal balls will be prioritised. At Atletico Mineiro, emphasis was on creating wide spaces outside of the block. So go get it wide and create from there. Create where the block will not really be an issue. The wing, the wide midfielders, the fullbacks, they are your creative goal scoring threat. They are the most important players against the low block. The centre midfielders will move position. They will support the ball carrier, but they will not be primary instigators of anything. But what they will do will be to attack crosses, to linger for cutbacks, and be the providers of these diagonal through balls. But like we said, Sampaoli's attention to detail does linger in the defending and pressing areas of the pitch. Without the ball, a Sampaoli team will press high with a medium block. So that's pressing high with a high line. However, the aim is to cut off passing lanes rather than engaging the opposition to win the ball back. So by pressing high, you don't want to concede territory. But many teams may be ball orientated in how they press. Sampaoli's is space orientated, cutting off the passing lanes. And when you shut down these passing lanes, what you will do is you will force the opposition out wide. And if you can force the opposition out wide, the press will then move to an outwards area, isolating the ball one side of the pitch. Shift over then to a more condensed press. And then protect the centre of the pitch and prevent the opposition from playing through. It's an option that many of us do tick, and sometimes if people take it, they're kind of ticking every box. Sometimes you see, you know, it doesn't tend to be something we see many people have as their primary instruction of football manager. But Sam Pauli would be one of these people. He will cut off the goalkeeper short distribution, he will ensure that the six, the pivot of the opposition, is tightly marked.
forcing him to play these high-risk, longer balls forward. And of course, if you have the bodies in the centre, these kicks have to go wide. So what you're doing then is you are funneling play again to one side for your press. Where you can attack the ball carrier aggressively and retain your compact defensive shape all along. And it's something that has happened at Marseille. We have seen Marseille switch to a back four. Where it's a forward a single pivot in front or forward a double pivot in front. Where the centre midfielder, either on the left or the right side, will drop into the back line as a full back. Creating a shift across the back line so everyone else shifts over one place. I think the easiest way for anyone to accomplish this is to kind of almost start off with an inverted wing back. Because in a defensive shape you have them dropping back. But in an attacking sense you have them pushing into the midfield area of the pitch. Out, when I, again, outside of possession, away from possession, the 10 will drop into the space. Vacated by the midfield centre who's dropped back. So you, again, if you, that was me, I'm lining up with a say 4-1-4-1 shape. That, I have the inverted wing back coming in, say, from the right. The centre midfielder on the right-hand side will be on an attack. We will be encouraged to push forward so that my wing back, inverted wing back, has space to move into. And by switching to 4-1-4-1, the team then has a defensive width that doesn't exist with the 3-3-1-3. So again, if you were lining up with this 4-1-4-1, because what happens is on that tactic chart in football manager, that's your out-of-possession shape. That's how your team will look out of possession. In-possession is a total different thing. So what you want to do is you'll want to look and say, okay, it's, it's almost like the old days where we used to draw the lines. The lines is where your players are going to be when you have the ball. So what you need to do is... You, so what you really need to do is to see where is your play going to go out of possession. And that's into this 3-3-1-3. So don't line up your formation on the tactic trigger if you're trying to copy some somebody with a 3-3-1-3 or a 3-3-3-1. Instead, line up with a 4-1-4-1 and through it Create that four, that three, three, one, three, in possession. Check the little analysis tab midway through a match, midway through a half, and see are you achieving what you want. On the if you are starting to with an inverted wing back on the right, have a complete wing back on the left, and then on the right hand side of midfield in front of your inverted wing, have a winger on attack or an inverted winger on attack. Ideally, for me, I'd look at a, at a wider player there because what happens is then if you are creating the space for inverted wing back to move into, the right side of the centre midfield is going to be the one who pushes forward. And if you're inverting the winger, they're going to be attacking the same space. So on the right hand side, that aggressive wide player is a winger on attack. You have a deep line playmaker potentially to pivot. You could even have a half back. And then a deep-lying playmaker on defend in front, or a ball-winning midfield on defend in front. Your 4-1-4-1 will create a 3-3-1-3, a or 3-3-3-1 if you wish. It's just your instructions are going to be the primary way of doing this. You just have to remember, what you see on that screen is how you look without the ball. It's not how you will look with the ball. 
So having this fluidity in your shape is very important, like Sampoli has here. And this evolution of his is not, that's just the latest step in his process. At Sevilla in Chile, it was a 3-4-3, where the first line aggressively pressed the first pass. The second line pressed the space in the middle. At Santos, it was a 4-1-4-1, where emphasis was on a compact line between defence and midfield. But there were freedom for individuals to abandon the line. However, they needed to be sure that they could re regain the ball when they broke the line. At Atletico Mineiro, his approach again was focused on defending high and quick regain to a high press. Where the second line had to be, the idea of a second line of press, sort of midfield, would be to win the ball back directly, which is often, if you're playing directly, the ball is in the air. So having competent aerial midfielders. Where, because the primary line would be aggressively hunting the ball, they'd be covering the, the wide areas. The third line would be, again, covering again. So what you really needed was a line in midfield that was capable of dealing with the direct long ball. Where the fullbacks are at least in line with your defensive midfielders. Where the defensive midfielders are covered, covering behind the midfield to preserve the compactness. But the thing is, if you have players who are positioned higher up the pitch because they're pressing higher up the pitch, when you regain the ball, you have the players in the attacking areas already. But like anything, like with Sampaoli, of course, his career, it is risk versus reward. What we see with Sampaoli this year is working. But of course, the rumours are circling. Sampaoli may not be at Marseille for the 22-23 season. And if he goes elsewhere, how does approach change? At Argentina, one of the issues Sampaoli faced was Lionel Messi. Because, of course, we all know, as we can see at PSG, Messi's pressing ability has waned as his career has progressed. He's almost become like a Trek artista, a player that needs to be carried in the team. So Sampaoli had to reorganise his thoughts and... Of course, we all know the 2014 World Cup was a disaster from an Argentinian point of view. And so, even to the extent of reports and rumours suggest that Messi was the actual manager and Sampaoli wasn't. Because of the way Sampaoli wanted to play. It's risk versus reward and it's assembling the right squad of hungry, determined, hard-working, team-working players. Players who are mentally as capable as they are technically. And of course underpinned by strong physical characteristics. And by having a young team, Sampaoli is almost in the position that Arsene Wenger was at Arsenal. They're your young, impressionable players you can shape into the mould, into the way that you want and need. But when you deal with superstars, that's when it does not seem to work. So Sampaoli is Salih Marseille. It's a wonder to see in Europe where else you'll end up. Because we know it's a project manager he is. A project manager who has shown an ability to become something different from what he was the last time you saw him. To adapt to the circumstances and push himself in the way he pushes his players. But really, it's not going to be something that works with superstars. So if you are looking yourself to build up a team that's built on a set of superstars... The Sampoli way may not be the way for you. Because it may not be the approach that gets the most from them. But if you are the underdog, 
if you are fighting for second or third place, if you're looking to rise up the table, if you're on an international front the way he is, it's quite a clever way to play. Because what we've seen from Sampoli is a team who's organised defensively and organised in an attacking sense. But with so much fluidity and movement, it's a joy to watch. It's difficult to you know analyse and share already the way I am with you. It's something that really kind of needs to be seen to be believed. So if you can, with the final games of the season, probably take time to watch Sampoli's Marseille. And I suppose the thing is that we can all, one of the best things we can learn from watching him is the flexibility of his team. One of a coach's best virtues is flexibility. That is not falling in love with their own ideas. Said Marcello Bielsa, an admirer of Jorge Sampoli. I don't relent with my ideas and that's not a virtue. It's a flaw. Sampoli does compromise because he has the power to adapt, unlike me, and that definitely makes him better than me. So again, if you want to take something from Sampoli, maybe it is that willingness and ability to compromise, to adapt. But if you want to see how it looks in Football Manager, over on Coffeehouse FM, Evan Grasshopper did a fantastic piece a couple of months back. I think it was back in November, December time. Wouldn't be 100% sure on the date, but I know it was before around Christmas time. Where Evan Grasshopper tried to you know, have a replication of St. Paulo's Marseille in Football Manager 2022. And of course, unfortunately, because of the way Football Manager works, some compromises and interpretations are made. Because FM's tactical limitations, because it is a game, because we're working with, you know, blocks and options. That makes it a little bit trickier than the freedom that Sampoli has in real life. But really, like I said, what I'm trying to look at here, and what I'm trying to share with you is, Sampoli is an intense and dynamic manager. He attacks with a fluidity and defends high of the pitch in an organised manner. He considers the centre of the pitch key, he'll, he will look to press wide, force to funnel the ball wide and press there. He likes his midfield to be capable of dealing with a direct ball over the top. He likes his wing, wing backs to often be the most creative and important players in the team or his wide players in the team. Because sometimes that is the only place where space is. So what we've seen here is a manager who's considered every detail, every facet. Who's not perfect. Who amongst the managers we admire really is. Now just before you go on off and you take your own time to look and analyse uh, some Pauli. Using the links below or even other websites and videos that I didn't even consider for this. I just ask, take it some moment if it was okay with you, just to leave a review on the podcast app that you are listening on. It. And even if it's just clicking the stars, if it's typing something up, that's even better. But don't expect that of anyone. But every any look, anything like that is greatly appreciated. Thank you to all those people who did get involved with the selection of Sampoli as the manager in focus. I know there's a few people disappointed with the result because they'd hide their eye on maybe say Christian Strike. 
who's possibly about to achieve something very, very unexpected with Freiburg in the Bundesliga this season, especially after last night's results against Gladbach. For RB Leipzig, their biggest competitor for the Champions League place. But still, look, there's always more time for us to get more of these in. There's a double record week. Um, I did promise it as a thing, and it's even a case for now where the next episode I promise you has actually turned into two episodes. So potentially, we're looking at a triple record week. So keep an eye and ear out for the podcast on your feeds. But look, thanks very much for listening. I do appreciate it. Enjoy the football this week, European football, if that's where it is you are, or wherever the football is. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye now.